So I'm preaching on women today. I just get it out of the way. I have no idea what it's like to be a woman. I no, no. I mean, you all know this, ladies. You're you're probably thinking, all right now. What's he? I can tolerate him preaching on men because he sort of understands that. But I have no idea what it's like. I, mean, I really don't want to, in all honesty, because life as a woman is is tough, and I would not want to to have to bear children and all of that and. I have no idea, really. What I don't fully understand the pressures you face, the responsibilities you have, the demands on you. I, I see my wife, and I'm just thankful that I have such a wonderful wife who does all that she does because I don't understand how she does all that she does. And so, you know, I spent seven weeks on men, which is an audience that I think I sort of understand, but this is different. I'll just be honest with you. Preaching to women about women is, is different. It's a little intimidating. And some of you are probably a little skeptical, just here to see how's he going to do with this. And tables are turned, I guess. And I, I didn't come this morning loaded for bear. I, I just want to approach. I want to approach these next few sermons honestly, the way that that I try to approach every sermon. And that's not to give you my opinions, because my opinions are flawed. I, I really, I don't want to just give you good pastoral advice. Some of that's helpful, but but honestly, all I want to do is just ask God to speak to your hearts. And so, ladies, I, I, that's, that's my goal, is, is for God really to speak. I just want to open up God's Word. I want to hold up what He says in comparison to what the world says, and then you pick. You decide which one you'll follow. So I'm not asking you to follow me and what I think, and I'm not asking you to do anything except... Would you be available for what God has to say? Would you simply listen to what God is going to say? He's got a lot to say about womanhood. You, you think, well, the Bible's written primarily about men, and certainly men do dominate the themes in many of the Scripture, but it's not just about men. Certainly God has so much to say about womanhood. The, the message that we get from the world and the message that we get from God are as different as night and day with regard to what true womanhood is about. The message from society is that women must always be young, always intelligent, always trendy, always attractive, always maintain a perfect home, always have children who obey, who obey and behave all the time. They always must make a good living as an independent woman and be a flawless symbol of strength and sexuality. That's, that's the world's message. And I believe honestly that that constitutes an absolute war on womanhood. I believe that message is sinister. We're raising generations of women who buy into it, believing that physical appearance and that sexual appeal are the marks of true womanhood. It's a lie and it's a war. And I hope through the power of God's Word to combat it, at least for you. It's seen, obviously, in society and in movies and different shows. I read an article recently, I wanted to share an excerpt with you, from Christianity Today by a woman named Tish Harrison about Miley Cyrus and her sexualized performance at the Video Music Awards. Here's what Tish Harrison writes. In the bluster about Miley Cyrus's VMA performance, we neglected a crucial discussion about growing up female in our culture. CNN highlighted the point Cyrus was trying to make, declaring that, quote, she is, after all, no longer the teen Disney star she once was, end quote. 
Her performance was a public pronouncement of her coming of age. We've seen this before. A young, seemingly innocent star throws off the yoke of childhood naivety and announces her adult identity in a display of sex appeal and debauchery. It's become a predictable script. That's why this article, she says, is not about Miley Cyrus or Lindsay Lohan or Britney Spears or anyone else. I'm interested, she says, in what leads Miley Cyrus or the midriff-bearing girl up the street to believe that in order to prove her adulthood, she must become an object of male sexual consumption. And I'm interested in how the church can offer her an alternative. The widespread agreement that Cyrus's willingness to, to be objectified marks her attempt to assume the mantle of womanhood. This indicates a deep problem in the way we define female adulthood. In order to be seen as an empowered adult in our contemporary society, we can't just be mature sexual beings. She's talking about we as women. We must be sexually available. As females, we often demonstrate adulthood by using our sexuality in ways that invite and in fact practically beg for the male gaze. It's a sort of post-sexual revolution version of the debutante coming out. Some factions of feminism even point to this kind of overt rejection of sexual boundaries or morals as an act of empowerment. Now, like I said, this is a war on womanhood. You are being assaulted whether you realize it or not. That's the world's idea. God's idea of womanhood, I'll tell you this, has nothing to do with a girl presenting herself as an object of sexuality. We desperately... And I say we, both men and women, we desperately need to understand God's idea of womanhood. The message from society is so loud and it shouts all the time and it's so easy to buy into and get swept up in. But we desperately need to understand what God says about womanhood. So ladies, I realize that many here... Just based upon the, 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 the sampling we have, different ages, different stages of life, many of you here are probably hurting and confused. You're broken hearted because you don't know truly what does it mean to be a woman. What really is biblical womanhood? What should I be? What should I do? And you've tried different things and it's broken your heart and it's left you empty. So all I'm asking is that you just allow God to speak into your lives to heal the hurt to clear up the confusion. Now, guys, you're not off the hook today either. Some of you thought, good, seven weeks of that, and I'm done. I just get to sit and kind of elbow the women next to me and say, I've been trying to tell you this for years, and thank God he finally stood up and said it. That's not what you're supposed to do. In fact, that'd probably be a tough week following this morning for you if you did those things. So if you do nothing else today, guys, just don't do that. But, guys, we need God to speak to us too. I'm really convinced that in my own life and in the life of every single man, that we need God to redeem our view of women, to change the way we think about them. And we've been part of the problem. We have consumed what society has offered us, and we viewed in many cases women just as objects for pleasure. And we need our view changed as well. So the next three weeks of sermons on biblical womanhood, I really believe, can speak to all of us. Regardless of how old or young you may be, regardless of if you're male or female, I want to see what God has to say. So turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. We're going to look at a classic text on biblical womanhood. And we'll read verses 10 to 31, and then we'll come back and over the next three weeks begin to work through this. 
Proverbs chapter 31, look at verse 10. Who can find a capable wife? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will not lack anything good. She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides for her household servants and portions uh, provides for food for her household rather and portions for her servants. She evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good, and her lamp never goes out at night. She extends her hands to the spinning staff, and her hands hold the spindle. Her hands reach out to the poor, and she extends her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all in her household are doubly clothed. She makes her own bed coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gates, where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes and sells linen garments. She delivers belts to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she can laugh at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her sons rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women are capable, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. Now ladies, before you freak out and you read that and you think... There's no way. Who are you talking about? Did God honestly inspire this portion of Scripture? Or did some man who just wanted to make it hard on women throw it in there after the fact? Before you get overwhelmed, before you think this is ridiculous, just consider the context for just a moment. The book of Proverbs ends here with a poem. It's an acrostic poem with 22 verses. And, and just so happens that there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and so each verse begins with a, the next successive letter. So you see what we're getting here is not do this, do this, do this. We're getting an A to Z view, in a sense, of what is biblical womanhood. So instead of this unreachable standard, we just get an overall view. What we have to do first is consider this in its original context. So what that means is that we can't impose on women today the idea of searching for wool and flax and setting up a, a booth in the local market to sell stuff. That's not exactly what we're going to do. Those things are simply the ancient expressions of what biblical womanhood is about, what God wanted her to be. So our goal is to look for the principles that are, that are timeless and present here and then apply those in a modern setting to what biblical womanhood is still about. The audience for this uh, is, can be varied, honestly. Uh, those who were reading the book of Proverbs would have read this and just received the wisdom from it. Perhaps some folks would, would say, well, this is just what wisdom looks like when it's lived out, and certainly that's true. Obviously, there's an audience for women. Uh, writing here and understanding that, that women would read this, the author is showing women, particularly young women, here's the kind of woman God wants you to be. And if you look at the beginning of chapter 31, and we realize also this is written to a young man. And so, young men, if you're here this morning, if you're an, especially an, an unmarried young man, this is the kind of woman God wants you to pursue. So everybody has something that we can learn today.
Our goal over the next three weeks is simply to study this chapter to learn what God says is the ideal or the model woman. And it's clear that there's one overarching truth that emerges from this that will guide us through the next three weeks. We see this in the beginning of verse 10, but but highlighted most in verse 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Here's the one truth I want you to make sure you understand that I will come back to every single week for the next three weeks. It's God's truth, very simply. You don't need beauty and you don't need youth to be a model woman. You don't need youth or beauty to be a model woman. Now for some ladies here today... You just need to meditate, and and I mean seriously, let that fill up your mind on that truth right there. That's the overarching truth here of Proverbs chapter 31. Now, it's going to give us some specifics, and we're going to look at some today. But for some, I'll be honest with you, you need to tune out to the rest of the sermon and simply let God minister that truth to your life. I'll give you permission right now just to to not pay attention the rest of the time. Provided you're, you're asking the Holy Spirit... How much of that do I need to receive today? Have I bought into something different? You don't need youth or beauty to be a model woman. That's God's truth. The world's opinion is something completely different. And my prayer is that you will bank your life, not on the world's opinion, but on God's truth. So this morning, we're going to look at just the first few verses of Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 to 15, actually, this morning. And we're going to see one aspect of what does it mean to be this model woman. We'll look at three different aspects over the next three weeks. Today, about being trustworthy. Next week, about being wise. And then the following week, about being devoted. That's, that's a summary of Proverbs 31 on what does it mean to be a biblical woman. So let's look first at verse 10. Who can find a capable wife? She is far more precious than jewels. Now, this this sets up the rest of the poem. Now, other versions, you may be reading from a different version this morning, or maybe you've read this before, and you you remember it it may say in a different version, who can find a virtuous woman or a, a wife of noble or great character who can find? So what we're seeing here is that she has tremendous value based upon her character. She is worth far more than anything money can buy. What you see, obviously, is is from the outset a great difference in what God values and what the world values. Because in this opening verse, there's, there's nothing here about her looks. Nothing about her talent. Nothing about her ability to maintain the perception of perfection in any area of life. The only thing mentioned from the outset, and in summary as well is her character. Now, ladies, I ought to give you some hope. You don't need youth or beauty to be a model woman. It's about your character. Now, fellas, I want you to stop right there for just a second and recognize that if you are a man here today who has a woman of great godly character in your life, you are a blessed man. You have something worth more than money can buy. You may lose everything, but if you have a woman in your life who is of great character, you have something worth far more than any job, home, car, whatever you may have. That's what God is showing us this morning. So maybe it's time to stop worrying about what she can't do and who she's not and simply take time to thank God for the woman in your life who is of great and godly character. Maybe it's your mother. Maybe it's a sister or your wife or a girlfriend or a friend that you've known for a long, long time, or a daughter, and you just need to stop and say, God, I praise you so much 
Thank you, God, for the gift of this woman or these women in my life. Maybe for the guys, we need to stop and evaluate where are we putting the focus I wonder if we're consumed by what women look like, their sexual appeal and their external attributes or what talent and giftings they may seem to have. And guys, if we're doing that, let me just tell you, we are, we are defeating our wives, our daughters, our friends, our sisters, our mothers, whomever, the women are. We're defeating them before they even have a chance to get started, if that's our focus. We've got to start looking at what God says is valuable. And stop unfairly comparing the women in our lives to a standard that God never intended for them. Young men, particularly unmarried young men, maybe it's time that your prayer become, instead of focused on what this young lady looks like or seems to offer you, that God, please give me a woman of incredible godly character. Ladies, I think in a lot of ways it's probably time for you to stop today too. Stop looking in the mirror for your value. Stop looking at your wardrobe for who you really are. Stop believing the lies. Stop degrading yourself by the conversation that you have in your head over and over and over. Time to stop comparing yourself to other women. Time to stop giving into what an ungodly world demands that you be. Proverbs 31 tells us that the most valuable thing a woman possesses is her character. This faithful character, it says, is rare, worth far more than precious jewels. So this is the model woman, one who has incredible godly character. There's no other standard for women. Make sure you understand that. Everything else is imposed by an ungodly and a worldly system. So the idea for the next three weeks is to unpack what this godly character looks like. The first aspect of that is found in verse 11, that she is... Trustworthy. Look at the first part of verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her. Now, if you're not a married woman today, then don't think that this is just about married women. This is an example of godly women and what it looks like, and certainly what it looks like in marriage. But this woman is trustworthy. What's implied here is that in every area of life, her husband, the men in her life, have learned to trust her. Her husband trusts in her good sense, in her skill, in her character, her purity. She can be trusted, of course, to be faithful to her marriage vows, not flirtatious or immodest. She monitors closely how she dresses and what she does around other men. She's very conscientious of those things to make sure that her husband can always trust her. She can be trusted, obviously, with her husband's reputation. She's not talking bad about him. She's not lying about him, trying to cover up his flaws, but she's not running him down behind his back. She can be trusted with money, which means she doesn't spend unwisely. She's, she's content, has no concern for materialism. She can be trusted with the responsibility of children and her home, trusted in her conduct and in her speech, saying and doing nothing that would damage her reputation or that of the men in her life. This husband is at ease because of this woman in her life. This is cultivated through some daily habits, just through being filled with God's Holy Spirit each and every day. It's cultivated early in life. Mothers, don't miss the opportunity you have with the young women in your life to cultivate these kinds of principles. I believe it's also cultivated by just setting some goals, five of which I want to share with you this morning. Some, some goals of a godly trustworthy woman. Goal number one, from verse 11, the second part is interdependence. 
The first goal of a trustworthy woman, you want to be that kind of woman. You say, I, I'm, tired of, I'm tired of trying to live up to what the world says. I want to be God's kind of woman. Or guys, I want to reinforce this with the women in my life. Here's a goal, interdependence. Look at verse 11. The heart of her tr- husband trusts in her, and he will not lack anything good. There are other versions that will help us understand that the overall meaning is that she is a partner for him and adds to his life. They're working together. You've got two people who have become one person, and they both benefit each other. He's better because she's in his life. She maintains her personhood. And ladies, don't miss this. This isn't about you becoming a nobody. This is about you doing what God has said is healthy in relationship, and that is willingly giving yourself to someone in a partnership, in a relationship where both people are enhanced. So this woman is very much her own person. But she's willingly submitted to this partnership in this marriage. She knows that he needs her and that she needs him. That's what interdependence is all about. So she assists him in all aspects of life. And as the scripture says, he lacks nothing. He's richly blessed because of her. I wonder if we were to take a poll today. Now, guys, if I actually would take this poll, you'd have to raise your hand because your women would not be happy with you if you didn't raise your hand. But... How many guys could emphatically say, I am so much better because of the, the women that God has placed in my life? You know, I, I married up. What do they say? I, I outpunted my coverage. I, I married way over my head. I've heard that many times, and I certainly would raise my hand and say, I did too. Isn't it amazing how when a woman will partner in a marriage and will give of herself and will recognize that, that need for the partnership and oneness. It's amazing how much better men can be made. So ladies, I wonder if you'd approach, uh, maybe evaluate your approach to relationships. The world will tell you that you've got to be your own person no matter what, to be independent. I wonder, have you gotten so caught up in being your own person and asserting your independence and proving yourself that maybe you've caused problems or distanced yourself in relationships where interdependence is what God has called for? Being in quality relationships, especially a quality marriage, requires that you be willing to give of yourself and receive from other people, recognizing that you have a need for others. There's nothing wrong with that. That's healthy. That's the way God made you. In fact, in the Garden of Eden, what did, what did God say? It's not good for man to be alone. So He made an interdependent relationship. So ladies, this week, maybe you just do something that demonstrates how much you are for and not against the men in your life. Making sure that they lack, as the Scripture says, nothing good. So far as you can help it, do good, be interdependent. A second goal of a trustworthy woman is selflessness. Interdependence and then selflessness. She rewards him, verse 12, with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She actively seeks to be a blessing to him. That requires selflessness. You know, the easy thing is just to focus on you, do what's best for you, and whatever anybody else gets is just sort of left over. But what God is holding up is here's a woman who's trustworthy because she's learned to be selfless. She only does good to the men in her life, regardless of how things are going for her. Her focus is outward, beyond herself. She builds trust through her assisting him and leveraging her skills and her gifts for the greatest good of her husband and the men in her life. She's taken to heart the Scripture that we'll see later in the New Testament. Consider others better than yourselves. Don't look just out for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. I hope by now in these two goals of interdependence and selflessness, you're, you're seeing a trend 
Being a model woman includes being trustworthy, and that doesn't require youth or beauty. Only a life that's submitted to Jesus. I hope you see the encouragement. A, a third goal of a trustworthy woman is responsibility. Verse 13. She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. This model woman, far from being a pushover, is someone who has leadership capabilities. She's a responsible person. She's smart. She's savvy. And it seems here she's even got a mind for for making good decisions when it comes to what to buy. So, ladies, I don't know if you have been searching your whole life for biblical support to go shopping. But here it is. Proverbs 31, 13. She selects wool and flax. There's some wool and flax up at JCPenney, I'm sure. They're probably having a sale today. Maybe that's your excuse to go shopping. I think it's certainly biblical support for extreme couponing. For digging up ideas on Pinterest. Maybe for spending some time looking for deals this week. Here's a woman who's savvy about those things. She's responsible to make sure that whatever she does is done the best way. And so part of being this model woman is learning to handle money with responsibility. That's certainly not dependent on youth or beauty. Just upon being responsible. It requires that you just take responsibility for where your money's going and where God wants it to go. It's pretty simple. The verse continues and lets us know that she's a woman, it says here, who works with willing hands. What she enjoys and absolutely comes alive doing is to see what she does pay off in the lives of other people. She just takes responsibility. Does what needs to be done. Some versions of the Bible mix in the word delight here. Signifying that there's really this deep joy that she feels, feels by, by knowing that she's helped to provide for her family and for those around her. And, and really, let's be honest, it's only a true love that takes joy in those everyday responsibilities. I woke up this morning to my youngest son, Duke, laying on the floor of our bedroom. And somehow in the middle of the night, he got there and did not get there on his own, which means... That Nancy woke up at some point when I was dead to the world, hearing him cry and got up and took care of him. And apparently he was scared or something, I'm not sure. But there he sat, or there he laid rather, on the floor of our room. It's responsibility. And, and, and I would venture to say that though Nancy probably is a little tired this morning from being awakened in the middle of the night, she took some joy. Some delight in the fact that God has given her this responsibility to raise a young son. And even when he wakes her up in the middle of the night, she probably smiled a little bit, hugged him tight, made sure he was covered up and had a good pillow. There's just some joy in it. Only love can produce that. And this woman of great responsibility isn't just going through the motions. What she's done instead is she's attached a person to every responsibility. A person that she loves represents that responsibility. And ladies, I don't know if you get tired of the everyday stuff. You get tired of doing the dishes? Eh, probably never. You get tired of doing the laundry? I'm sure you're fine with that too. You get tired of trying to clean up the house? No big deal to you, I'm sure. But if you get tired of those things, you say, why did I get stuck with this responsibility? Maybe, just maybe this week. See if God will give you the perspective to say, who am I serving through doing this? Now, I'm not saying that you should allow your husband or the men in your life totally off the hook. They need to step up and do some things around the house. Amen, ladies? Don't say that too loud. But 
But maybe if you say, you know what, this responsibility simply falls to me. This is what I have to do as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, whatever it may be. Simply attach a person to that responsibility and say, who can I serve through doing this? How can I find joy through loving someone by doing that? This goal of a trustworthy woman includes responsibility. A fourth goal is dependability. Verse 14. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from far away. I love this this comparison. When I began to study this this week, I wasn't sure exactly what the, the author was talking about, the merchant ships and all that. It was an incredible comparison by the writer of the proverb here. It, in fact, it's an incredible compliment to this godly woman. The type of ship that's mentioned here is a big one. The kind that goes on the ocean. A cargo-carrying vessel. It's not a small fishing boat that would be on a lake or a river or something like that. This is a huge ship. As big as they could make them back then to hold as much cargo as possible to go long distances and come back. Now, if you remember, or if maybe this is enlightening to you, the Old Testament lets us know very clearly that the Israelite people didn't get out on the ocean very much. Now, they'd be on the river, they'd be on the lake, but never really out on the ocean. In fact, the Old Testament tells us that the ocean was a pretty scary place for the Israelites. The imagery that's used for the ocean, for the sea, in the Old Testament is sort of mysterious and dark and dangerous. And so the Israelites weren't real keen on venturing out there. They were more of an inland kind of people, and they would go fishing, but that was about it. They, they weren't the merchant ship kind of people. But this woman is compared to a merchant ship who is equipped and fitted and, and brave enough to venture out into a very dangerous kind of of place, the world itself. These ships would travel great distances, and the, the captains of these ships, of course, face lots of hazard. There's always the potential for storm and for shipwreck. They carried the right equipment to make them ready for the journey, and they were operated by people with an enterprising spirit. So when you see a woman compared to that, it's a huge compliment. Because this model woman has all of those characteristics. She's just like those ships that stop at nothing to get their cargo, so to speak, to the destination that it's due. She's brave in the face of tough circumstances, even when she faces rough waters or storms. I have never met braver people than women. Now, I know there's a lot of bravery that's represented through the men here in this room, but I tell you what, many of the women are just as brave as any man could ever be. Some of the things you've had to endure, some of the things life has thrown at you, the situations you didn't ask for, you didn't deserve, you didn't even bring on yourself, and yet you've had to face them with courage and with bravery. And you'd say, certainly not on my own, Jesus Christ was living through me, and praise God He did, but it was the bravery that we saw to trust Him. She's organized and planned out, just like those merchant ships had to be. She's bent on doing whatever needs to be done, and she can be counted on regardless of the difficulty associated with her role. Nothing will stand in her way of doing what she knows needs to be done for her family. I think of so many women who maybe were abandoned by a man, who've been single mothers, who've had a rough go of it, and they've simply done what they have to do. Let me tell you this, God is pleased with those efforts. You're just getting up and saying, I didn't ask for this, or maybe I made this own bed, I'm going to have to lie in it, but I'm going to get up and trust God today. I'm just going to do what I have to do. God says, good job. 
get up every day and keep going. Depend upon the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit and keep going. Now, all women know that this kind of dependability doesn't just magically appear when you get married or have children. You know that that it's cultivated through life. So young ladies, don't wait until you become a mother, a wife, an adult to begin to cultivate these things. Dependability starts young. And, And ladies, if you're the mom of a young girl, begin to develop these things in her. The fifth goal and final goal of the trustworthy woman that we see in these verses is proactivity. Look at verse 15. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her servants. Nobody has to stand over her shoulder. Nobody has to make sure she's going to do what she needs to do. She will take the initiative to care for the people that God has placed in her life. Because it's simply the right thing to do, because it needs to be done, because God has called her and placed her in that situation, she just tackles it every single day. And what's interesting about this is she'll do it even if nobody sees it. While it is still night, she gets up and she does what's right. And she also does it for people who can't pay her back, who will never be able to return the favor. Portions for her servants. They're below her. She doesn't have to do that. She's proactive, though, toward the people that God cares about, the people that He's placed in her life. As I prepare every sermon, there are really two questions that I want to make sure that I answer. The first is, what do they need to know? Now, I want you to understand God's truth. Secondly, what do they need to do? Because understanding God's truth is one thing, and then applying in your life, of course, is something different. What you need to know and become convinced of is the truth that I gave you at the very beginning, which I hope some of you have simply been letting run in your mind as I've been talking. That you don't need youth or beauty to be a model woman. Every one of us needs to know that. The ladies here need to believe that. It will set you free. Guys, you need to believe that as well. And I believe it will set you free from the worldly and ungodly mindset that we have toward women. That's what you need to know. What do you need to do? (coughs) Ladies, let me invite you to do something that may be difficult this week. So here's, here's your assignment. I used to be a high school teacher. They didn't pay any attention to me either, so that's fine. Maybe three or four of you will get it. Here's your assignment this week. Have a very tough conversation. I want you to do this. Ask the most important man in your life for his evaluation of you. For some, that's your dad. For some, that may be a brother. It may be your husband, a son, or whomever. Who's the most important man in your life? Now, ladies, I'll tell you this. If you're married, go to your husband. All right, don't, don't, don't make him wonder, is he the most important man? Make sure you have this conversation with your husband, all right? Or your, your very significant other. Have him evaluate you. Here's the question. Am I trustworthy? I want to be God's kind of woman. And God's kind of woman is a trustworthy woman. Am I trustworthy? You see on the screen behind me five different goals. Work through those. How am I doing with interdependence? Does it feel like we're partnered together here? Am I bringing you good? Am I selfless? Am I being responsible? Are there some holes there? Am I dependable and proactive? Have Him evaluate you. I promise you this, you'll never become the woman that God wants you to be unless you know the truth about who you are right now. Now that'll hurt. 
Because you may not get the answers that you just hope he tells you because I don't really want to know. I'm just going to ask you because a preacher told me to ask you, but you better tell me this. Cause I... Now, that's not the way to approach the conversation. <laughs> Honestly, open yourself up and say, I want to be God's kind of woman. I want to be a biblical woman. So am I trustworthy? Now, guys, I want you to have a humbling conversation. That's a tough conversation for women. I want you to have a humbling conversation, first of all, with God. To confess to Him maybe the sinfulness and ungodliness of your view toward women. And say, Lord, all I look at them as is an object for my pleasure. Change it. Redeem it. I confess it to you. It's sin. It's wrong. And in that conversation with God, to praise Him and thank Him for the godly women in your life. And then the humbling conversation. That one's easy. I'll be honest with you. Talking to God is going to be easy this week. But I want you to go to the most important women, not just one, the important, most important women in your life. And I want you to tell them how thankful you are for them. For their godly character. Begin to reinforce God's truth and help them to become and to remain God's type of model woman. So fellas, if you're married, that means with your wife. If you're the father of daughters, that means with your daughters. If you're the brother of a sister, there you go. If you're the son of a mother... The most important women in your life. Begin to tell them and reinforce God's truth. They need to hear it from you. And let me tell you this. If they hear it from you, it will begin to drown out what the world is shouting at them. And if you don't fight for the truth in their lives, then you are abandoning them and you're part of the problem. So fight for it. Ladies, ask your men this week, am I trustworthy? Guys, have that humbling conversation to let them know how much you appreciate their godly character and praise God for who they are. Now, you know, like most everything else that God says, this message seems to be backward this morning. It's different from the world. But God always works that way. Ultimately, Proverbs 31 isn't about trying harder to be a nice and great woman. What it reveals is the fact that none of us can live up to this kind of standard. What it further reveals is that only Jesus Christ lived up to this kind of standard, God's standard of perfection. We couldn't do it. The Bible calls us all sinners, every one of us. The only sinless human that ever lived was Jesus Christ Himself, completely God and completely human, satisfying all the demands that God said that we are to be. Perfection. And since none of us are perfect, none of us could die for the sins of any sinner, including our own, and so Jesus Himself, in sort of a backward message, it would seem, came from heaven and didn't come and just establish His throne in absolute power and conquer all evil, at least as we can see it, what He did was go to the cross. The wisdom of God, the Bible says, is foolishness to other people, but we know it as the power of salvation. Jesus Himself died for the sins that we've committed. Our ungodly view of women, and ladies, your ungodly view of yourself, Jesus died for that. So where we start today is not by trying harder, but by surrendering in faith and repentance to Jesus Christ. He's the only one, ladies, who can empower you to be a godly woman. You can't do it on your own. Guys, He's the only one that can change your view of women and help you reinforce God's truth. You can't do all that just by trying harder, but only by believing in Jesus. So the goal today regarding the model woman isn't just more effort. 
But it's simply repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can help you. If you would, let's pray. Lord, today we thank You for Your truth about what it means to be a model woman. Lord, I pray that that truth will be sunk deep into the hearts of both men and women here. That through that truth and through Your Holy Spirit, You would heal and restore the women that are so broken and hurting and confused. Thank You, Lord, that it doesn't take youth or beauty to be the kind of woman that You've called them to be. Lord, I pray that You'd set men free today from an ungodly and sinful view of women, from unrealistic standards that we've placed on them, and Lord, humble us today. May we reinforce Your truth and cultivate in the lives of the women that are around us this idea of true biblical womanhood. Most of all, we thank You for Jesus, who lived out everything we couldn't, who died the death that we deserve and gave us the salvation that we could not earn. More than anything, Lord, I pray that You'd call people to repentance and to faith this morning. Thank You for Your truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.